we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me to the book of Joel this evening. And at the same time, while you're turning to Joel, I'd like for you to find those inserts that are in the bulletin concerning our 40 days of prayer and fasting. I will look at those in just a few moments, and I'd like for you to have them handy. But we're in Joel chapter number 2. Joel chapter number 2, and the message of Joel is a message of judgment and the coming judgment. And uh, in the midst of judgment, there is an opportunity for mercy. Aren't you grateful for the mercy of God? We deserve judgment, but as we were just reminded, the Lord looks beyond our fault, beyond our sin, beyond our iniquities. He set his affections upon us. He loves us with an everlasting love, and he died on the cross to redeem us. And we who have received him as Savior, we belong to him. And though we deserve judgment, we're the recipients of his mercy. The older I get, the more gratitude I uh, develop over the mercies of God because I recognize how sinful I truly am, how frail, how weak, and how obstinate I can become. And it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed and we're thankful for the Lord's mercies. We're in Joel chapter number 2. Therefore also now, verse 12, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart. There's the plea. Turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Uh, The Jews of old would, in a time of mourning, would rend their garments to signify that they were in mourning. Like anything else that we practice, that can become a ritual that demonstrates something outwardly. But what God is exhorting them to do is not rend their garments, but rend their heart. The Lord wants our heart. And so he said, And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. In other words, when God seeks to bring judgment upon his people, there is no sin in the Lord. He does no evil but to bring evil upon us. In other words, to bring judgment upon us. That's the way the word is used there. 
if we turn to the Lord, if we rend our hearts, if we weep and fast and mourn, the Bible tells us that God will turn from his anger and turn from his judgment and repent him of the evil. Verse 14, who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Now, if you would look with me uh, in verse number 25. Here's the promise that the Lord made to them if they would turn to him. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. God is saying to Israel, he's saying, turn back to me, turn back to me, rend your heart, weep and mourn, confess your sin, turn back to me, and I will give you mercy. And in verse 25 through verse number 27, I will restore to you all that has been lost. I believe we're living in a nation that's under the judgment of God. Without any doubt, there's confusion in our land. There's a lack of leadership in our land. There's a lack of clarity. Truth has fallen in the streets. What we used to take for granted, we no longer take for granted. Our economy's in trouble. Our supply chain is broken. People wonder what's happening. Well, we've gone adrift. We've turned away from God, and we're reaping. We're reaping. And so the Lord says in verse number 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Now, we like to have a good time and we like to enjoy the fellowship of God's people and, and we want to have encouraging meetings and great singing and to thank the Lord and praise the Lord for all he's done for us. But I believe it's time for a solemn assembly, don't you? A time of serious introspection, a time where we forego business as usual and where we enter into a solemn assembly before the Lord that we gather his people and we sanctify his congregation. We know a lot about feasting, but little about fasting. As we come to this text, we'll note some things. First of all, we'll note the prescription, the prescription for prayer and fasting. God gives them a prescription for what ills them. What is it? It's to turn to him. In verse 12, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting 
and with weeping and with mourning. The prescription that God gave them to uh, cure all the ails and the woes of their judgment of God upon them included prayer, fasting, repentance, and a return to God. Uh, when, we, when we read the word fasting in the word of God, we note that prayer and fasting are always linked together. They go hand in hand. So we have to ask the question tonight, what is fasting? I think the truth is we need to also ask ourselves, what is prayer? We know what it is, but we do little of it. But especially consider the topic of fasting. What is fasting? To fast means that we abstain from food. We abstain from food. We can abstain from certain beverages. Typically, someone who is fasting drinks water. You can abstain from certain pleasures and entertainments for the purpose of seeking God. Fasting is not mere dieting. That's become a popular trend. But fasting involves bringing our hearts and lives to a place where we seek God to the neglect of the flesh. We've grown accustomed to our comforts and our comfort foods. There are things that we enjoy. There are things that we take for granted. And so to fast means that we are neglecting the flesh so that we can spend time together with God in fellowship with him to feed the spirit and the soul. In Job 23 and verse number 12, the Bible said, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, I want you to think about that statement. I think it's easy for us to say amen to that statement. But to say that we value the word of God more than our necessary food, think about how many times we eat a day. It seems like our lives revolve around eating. If we have a meeting, it has to be a lunch meeting. If we go and talk with somebody, we have to have some coffee. Now, you've heard me talk about coffee, right? My wife is a coffee drinker. She loves coffee, and uh, I can drink it, but in order for me to handle that awful stuff, and I do have some that I enjoy, I need something good to go with it, you see, so even my coffee breaks become food breaks, right? A young man this past week when we were with Pastor Much in Hendersonville, Tennessee, said, I would like to take you to breakfast in the morning. And I said, well, listen, how about we just meet and have coffee? Would that be all right with you? He said, yeah, that'd be fine. So we had coffee, but I had to have a chocolate chip cookie to wash that coffee down. <laughs> to make that coffee palatable. You see, our lives, so much of our lives revolve around eating, right? Family gatherings, what do we do? We eat. So when we fast, we are neglecting our flesh and we are coming apart in the presence of the Lord, coming apart unto him in his presence and by neglecting the flesh, humbling ourselves and seeking the Lord for his strength and his sustenance of the spirit and of the soul. 
And this is why Job could say, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, as I said, let's look at it. How often do we eat? And how often do we read the word of God? How much time do we think about food? Have you had this discussion lately? What do you want for supper tonight? It's a daily discussion in my house. And it's a discussion that never really has a good resolution. I typically say, I don't care. It doesn't matter. What would you like? And that answer is met with frustration. Because the meal planner in our family needs more input from me and from our children. So we say, okay, what would you kids like to eat? And, they, you know, it, it, it usually happens like this. We say, where do you want to go eat? If we're going to go out to a restaurant, where would you like to go? Well, I don't know. You pick it. No, you pick it. And before long, we're, we're in a little bit of a disagreement over whose responsibility it is to pick the place. And then finally, somebody speaks up and says, okay, we're going to go here. And then the rest of us say, oh, no, anywhere but there. You're laughing because that happens in your house. And we've got our grocery list. We've got our restaurant planning. Uh, maybe you have recipe books, all these things that go into what we're going to eat. But Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I don't know that we've ever had a disagreement over what portion of Scripture we're going to read tonight. I don't know that we've had a lot of planning over that, as we should. So God says, here's a prescription for all that ills, that ails you. Fast, pray, seek me. The prophet said, it is time to seek the Lord. I believe it's that time, don't you? Now, as a church, we have tried to follow the Lord. God has been so faithful to us, hasn't he? But we were growing and decided that the only option we had was to go to two services. We, we decided to do that the last Sunday before the shutdown. What timing. And then we went weeks and couldn't meet. And then when we came back, we didn't have two services on Sunday morning. We had three because we were trying to keep the crowds thinned out. And over time, God has allowed us to have nearly everybody back in church. Praise the Lord for that. And then on beyond that, to see such growth that God has allowed us to see. In our school, in our church, we praise God for what he's doing. The summer camp has grown unbelievably, and we praise God for that. We want to honor the Lord with that. That's the purpose of it. And then the opportunity that was presented to us to purchase the shopping center next door. You've heard me tell the story when Dr. Siddle came to see me, how that he told me that uh, they used to walk around that property, the perimeter of it, before it was ever a shopping center, and pray and ask God to give it to them. And R.J. Starnes, who's seated here tonight, used to walk around the property with Pastor Settle and pray and ask God to do that. 
And I remember Pastor Settle saying in all earnest and seriousness now, the Lord may do that for you. And we'd only been here a year. I had only been here a year, and I had a lot of things on my plate. I, I, I don't know that I was thinking too much about that, but it stuck with me. And then when the Lowe's Foods and the Harris Teeter deal was made and Harris Teeter went out and Lowe's took over the Harris Teeter locations, I started thinking they're going to have so many stores within just a few miles of one another. That seems like an unsustainable model, and it was. And eventually they moved out of this store. And then when we decided to come back at the end of the pandemic, we called the owners of the property and asked them, can we have a meeting outside in the parking lot. And he said, well, yes, you can do that. And by the way, while we're on the phone, let me ask you, do you want to buy the place? And then we had conversations among ourselves, and, and uh, many people were already anticipating that perhaps even outside of our church that we should buy that property. People would tell me that. When are you all going to buy that? <laughs> And I remember our first discussions with the deacons and then how that developed and, and now here we are and God has supplied and he's led us and we have purchased the property. And, um, and now we need direction from the Lord as far as a plan to go forward. And as we were talking about this, uh, Brian Odom said to me, he said, Pastor, what do you think about let's set aside 40 days and just fast and pray? and do this as a church. I said, that's a great idea. That's what we need to do. That's what I need to do, not just for the property, but for me. That's what you need to do, not just for the property, but for your life. We need revival, don't we? We need the hand of God. We need the Lord to work again in our hearts in a mighty way to stir us. And we have an opportunity to seek him, to seek him, the prescription. Well, we see in the Bible there's a purpose for it, the purpose of fasting. There are different purposes, different reasons that were given in Scripture to us that are given in Scripture to us for a fast. In Joel chapter 2 and verse number 12, as I read in, in the passage to you, the Bible said, Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. I think the primary purpose of fasting is that it is a means to help us seek the Lord. It is a means to help us seek the Lord. Neglecting ourselves, saying no to our flesh, gives us an opportunity to say yes to God. Fasting and humility go together. Fasting and humility produce mourning and weeping, mourning over our sin, mourning over our nation, a dissatisfaction with ourselves because of our sin and our iniquity how insensitive we can become to the Lord, how slothful, how lazy we can become. 
Number two, fasting strengthens our prayers. Fasting strengthens our prayers. Daniel chapter 9 in verse number 3, Daniel said, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel needed God to reveal the vision to him. And so he prayed. He was troubled. And he prayed and he fasted. He demonstrated to the Lord his hunger not for physical things, not for the flesh, but for the revelation of God in the spirit. Fasting adds a dimension to our prayers. Heaven bends an ear when we pray with fasting. We're giving heaven a notice that we are in earnest. Fasting brings our faith into focus. It's like tying a string around your finger. Our hunger is used to remind us it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek him. If you have fasted for a period of days, and by the way, there are some who cannot fast for an extended period of time because of health concerns and health needs. And anyone who considers this must consider their health and, and, and consult with their doctors. But if you fasted for any extended period of time, you know that the longer you go, you will have some periods of hunger and then you can get a little bit beyond that. And you can become incredibly clear in your mind. I've experienced that clarity. I've experienced the energy that you can get. Now, again, the first few days, you're not going to feel very energetic. But if you go on an extended fast, you will, you will experience some days where you have a lot of energy. As you seek the Lord, God can speak to you. As you read the Word of God, you can read it with clarity. You know, our minds get clouded, don't they? There's a relationship between our body and our mind. And so if we neglect the body, we seek the Lord. God will speak to us if we're earnest. As Ezra said in Ezra 8.23, So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated for us. God answers prayer. Number three, fasting is an exercise of humility. It's an exercise of humility. In 1 Kings chapter number 21, Ahab, who was a wicked king, a very wicked king, receives news that judgment is coming. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 21 in verse 27, it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh. That's, that's just common, common material used uh, to produce sacks for grain and those type of things. This, again, is an expression of humility. He put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. What does that mean he went softly? Well, he was an arrogant man. He was the king of Israel. He could have anything he wanted, and he ran over people. In fact, he murdered people to get what he wanted. But when he heard that judgment was coming, he went softly. Wasn't as presumptuous. Wasn't as arrogant. Wasn't as self-confident. Why? Because he humbled himself. Fasting is an exercise of humility. 
What do kings do? Well, they eat sumptuously. But he fasted. Now notice what happens when he fasted. 1 Kings 21, 28. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Did you see it? Did you see it, Elijah? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Again, the evil speaks of the judgment. Ahab was spared judgment because he humbled himself. By the way, his son would have been spared it if he would have humbled himself too. Fasting is an exercise of humility. What is humility? Humility is an acknowledgement that we are nothing and that we need God. You see people moving around in this world with bravado and with arrogance and with pride. God has a way of humbling us. The Bible says that God exalts the humble. And so may we humble ourselves. He resists the proud. And maybe there's pride in our life that fasting will reveal to us and that through a period of fasting, God will deal with us in our pride. By the way, those of us who don't think we have pride can rest assured that we have plenty of it. Number four, fasting provides opportunity for self-examination and confession. Fasting provides opportunity for self-examination and confession. First Samuel chapter seven and verse five, and Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day. And said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. They came together, they neglected the feast. They chose to fast. They sat in the presence of the Lord. And God dealt with them about their sin. A lot of times we don't have time to think about our sin, do we? We got to get things done. We got to cook supper. We got to go to lunch. We got to get to work. We got a weekend to look ahead to, a ball game to attend. It's good to stop and reflect. And so here we see the purpose of fasting it's a means to help us seek the Lord, it strengthens our prayers, it is an exercise of humility. It helps us to learn to be humble. We need that. And it provides us with an opportunity for self-examination and confession. Well, then let's look at a third thought, and that is the power of prayer and fasting. The power of it. What does it do for us? What, what, What is the result of it? Well, I think of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4, and it came to pass when I heard these words, What words? The words of the condition of the city of Jerusalem. How that the city lied in reproach. The gates were burned with fire. The wall was broken down. The people were vexed. He said, when I heard these words, 
I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When's the last time we really got serious about the situation in our country, in our world, in our nation? I mean, we hear the news all the time. We groan about it. We complain about it. We talk about it. But when's the last time we got serious about it and began to pray and begin to fast? You know, Nehemiah was not a preacher. He worked in government. <laughs> he worked for the king of Persia. I don't know that we could, it, it's, it, it's possible, but highly unlikely that Nehemiah had ever been to Jerusalem. He served the Persian king, born in captivity, lived in captivity. By the way, he had a good job, comfortable job. He's a king's cupbearer. He had a membership at the golf course in Persia. He ate the finest meals. He went into some very high-level meetings. He had it made from the world's perspective. But something captured his heart that was greater than his own comfort. That's the work of God. The condition of the city of Jerusalem the place where God's name was proclaimed, the place where God was to be worshipped and honored. And he heard that it was devastated. And he couldn't sit idly by and do nothing. Something was already in his heart. But before he ever took the first step of action, what did he do? He humbled himself, he fasted, and he prayed before the God of heaven. You see... Prayer and fasting enables God's servants. It enables us. It enables us to gather and gain God's vision. It enables us to get in tune with the Lord. It enables us to learn to wait on the Lord. Nehemiah had to wait for several months. It enables us to depend upon the Lord. Prayer and fasting enables God's servants. And by the way, what does the king's cupbearer know about building the walls of a city? Nothing. Now, I believe his experiences in administration with the king were used to help him in this. And maybe he was involved in some Persian building projects. I, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is he was the king's cupbearer. He was not a construction man. But when he fasted and prayed and poured his heart out before God, what did God do? He enabled him. I certainly would like to live this life and be used of God, wouldn't you? We're a church. We're a family. This isn't my ministry. This is the Lord's church. Wouldn't it be good for all of us if we all labored and saw God do great things through us? What goals do you have for your life? What do you want to see God do? It's more than about just, you know, having a nice place to live and a nice family and a nice job and a nice car. Wouldn't you agree? Life is about honoring our Lord 
and laboring for him, magnifying his name, making him known. Prayer and fasting enables God's servants. Number two, prayer and fasting delivers God's people from the enemy. We go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In verse number one of 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, the Bible says, It came to pass after this that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, uh, they be in Hazazantamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He, he set himself to seek the Lord. He was afraid. Have you found yourself in recent months and years experiencing fear? When the shutdown was announced, I don't mind telling you, I was filled with fear. You see, I thought this is more than just a disease. This is sinister. I began to think, I can't believe the whole world is going to stop. What's happening here? And everything within me said, this just isn't right. It's not right. There's too much questionable activity centered around these things. I was troubled in my spirit. I've told you this story. I gathered my family together. We came into the to the living room, the little gathering area that we have in our house, not a living room, a sitting room, we call it. And um, I was overcome with fear. And we sat there and we read the Psalms. And I've told you this, it was as if the Lord Jesus came into the room and just read them for us. And he strengthened us. You see, we felt like the enemy was closing in. I could feel his breath on my neck. We were outnumbered, <laughs> outmanned, outmaneuvered. Jehoshaphat feared, but he set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? If all the people at Tabernacle came together to seek the Lord. I mean, if we all got serious about this. In verse 22, as the enemy drew on, the Bible says, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Am and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. <laughs> they said, we're going to fast, and we're going to pray, and we're going to have church. 
And while they were singing and praising God, God took care of the enemy. What a blessing. Verse 29, and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. You see, when we pray, when we seek God, God will fight for us. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be afraid. We just need to seek the Lord. Number three, prayer and fasting breaks Satan's strongholds. Prayer and fasting breaks Satan's strongholds. You know, if you're a believer, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan cannot have your soul. He cannot possess you, as Brother Odom preached a few weeks ago, but he can oppress you. The Bible speaks of those in the book of, of, as Paul wrote to Timothy, of those who are taken captive by the devil at his will. There are those who are saved who are taken captive by the devil, carried away, spoiled. That's what that term means, at his will. We're bound, bound in sin, bound in resentment and anger and bitterness and fear and all of those things that the devil uses against us to hinder us. In Isaiah 58 and verse 6, the Bible says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? God said, I've chosen a fast for you. And here's the purpose of it, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. What are the things that bind us? The bad habits the besetting sins that we just can't let go. We try, we want to, we pray and we ask God to help us. But we find ourselves back there. And then Satan accuses us and condemns us. Do you need those bonds broken, those chains broken, fasting? Remember when the disciples were trying to cast that demon out of that boy when Jesus was walking down with uh, some of the disciples. He was walking down the Mount of Transfiguration, and when he came to them, the, the father came and he said, I've, I besought your disciples, but they couldn't cast him out, and then Jesus cast him out. And the disciples wanted to know, Lord, why, why couldn't we cast him out? In Matthew 17 and verse 21, he said, How be it this kind, speaking of that kind of the devil, I don't know exactly what he meant, maybe that level of power, Maybe that certain spirit, this kind, goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. If we need victory in our lives and it just doesn't seem like we're living in it, by the way, Christ has already won it for us, but if we're not living and experiencing that victory, how can we experience it? Through prayer and fasting. People are bound today with fear, bitterness, resentment, habits, things I've mentioned. And we need to be delivered. Well, let me give you just two more. Prayer and fasting stays the judgment of God. Number four, prayer and fasting stays the judgment of God. It means it holds it back, right? It stops it. Remember when Jonah was sent to Nineveh to preach 40 days, 
and this city will be destroyed. That was his message. And uh, eventually he got there. Remember, he took a little detour, right? And, uh, but he ended up there, thanks to an escort, a whale who spit him up on the shore. And he went and he preached. And when the people heard the message, these wicked people of Nineveh, violent people, in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Well, it's amazing. When you preach the Bible, there are people who will believe it. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they believe unless they hear? How shall they hear without a preacher? God has sent us to proclaim the message. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered with sackcloth, covered himself with sackcloth and set in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. That prayer, that fasting prevented the judgment of God. I believe God's judgment is on our country. I believe that. But if God's people will get serious, if we'll pray, we may see that turn back to some degree. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Well, let me give you the last point here is the power of prayer and fasting. It enables God's servants. It delivers God's people from the enemy. It breaks Satan's strongholds. It stays the judgment of God. Here's the last one. Prayer and fasting propels the church forward. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, this is the church. What are they doing? They're praying. They're fasting. As they did that, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Oh, what a mighty work was going to be done. I want you to think about that building next door. It's not just a, a building that we can possess and be happy that we possess it. It's a place that can be used for the glory of God. So when you think about the building, don't think about the building. Think about the people, the people who can be taught there. Think about the services that can be conducted there, the messages that can be preached there, the people that can be counseled there and prayed with there, the children that can be cared for there, the lives that can be changed there on that property. Acts 14 and verse 23, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. 
Let's ask God to make this point, this place, this property just a launching pad, not a destination, but a launching pad to send the people of the Tabernacle Baptist Church into this community with the truth of God's word. Someone told me recently they're planning to build 7,500 homes in a community not far from our church. We've done a little research into that. As far as we know, there's not an independent Baptist church in that community. 7,500 homes. Do you think there's an opportunity there for a gospel preaching church to be established? Absolutely. Those people aren't going to drive to Hickory. There are other communities like that, other communities. Let's pray that God will help us. Let's fast. Let's pray. Now, look at that sheet. It says 40 days of prayer and fasting. I've gone longer than I should. Days one through seven, that begins tomorrow. But what are we praying for this week? We're praying for the unity of the body at Tabernacle Baptist Church. We want this church to be unified. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's what the Bible teaches us in the book of Ephesians. We want to be unified in our purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, beginning right here in Hickory, North Carolina. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to magnify and glorify the name of Jesus. Our purpose is to preach his word. Our purpose is to remain faithful and steadfast. Our purpose is to love one another and minister to one another. That's our purpose. May we be unified in vision. Now, that can be difficult because we all have different ideas. I have an idea. You have an idea about what may be done next door. My ideas aren't always great. Every once in a while, I might have a good one. Your ideas, I know, I know this will be shocking to you, they're not always great. They might be most of the time, but you're not always right. But who is always right? Jesus. So whose idea, whose vision do we want? Well, it's not mine. It's not yours. We want his vision. So let's ask the Lord to give that to us. Let's ask God to help us be unified in planning and development. We have a meeting this Wednesday at 930 in the morning with the construction company and some architects and folks, and, and we're going to begin to at least discuss more earnestly what it is that we believe we would like to do there and what we believe God is leading us to do. We want to be unified in our stewardship and sacrificial giving. We cannot buy a property for $2.9 million and then renovate it without God's people being faithful to give and give sacrificially. Secondly, we need to fast and pray that the Lord would enable our church to do some things. First of all, develop deep convictions concerning the truth of God's word. That is foremost. That we would stand in his strength as we learned last week these are things that will help us answer when our faith is under fire. 
that we will exercise discernment in an age of deception, that we will train the generation to come, and that we will declare the gospel of Christ with compassion and boldness. Let's pray this week for those things specifically. And what I'd like for you to do is read this to the Lord. Read it to him. Rehearse it to him as you're praying, as you're fasting. And then fast and pray for personal and family needs. And there are some needs that are just listed there, some ideas to provoke your thinking, a more consistent walk with Christ, victory over sin. That involves confession of sin, personal wisdom, family needs, those who are sick, and then other. And I imagine you could fill the bottom of that page and the next side of it with those needs. And what I'd like for you to do is keep this in your Bible this week. And as you enter into your time of prayer and fasting, let's make this list our prayer list this week. Are there other things to pray for? Absolutely. But let's all agree to pray specifically for these needs. And let's ask the Lord to help us. And in 40 days, let's see what God will do in our lives and in our church. And I think we'll see God do great things. Do you believe that tonight? Well, let's pray together. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.